Perfect. Let's go. Welcome to another episode of Game of Life yes, with Dan and Harmon. Mm -hmm. Today I'm pretty excited because we have a opera singer with us. Uh, someone's <laughs> someone who <laughs> where are they? I I I have been a big admirer of this guy ever since I saw him at the Sydney Opera House in the Mikado with Anthony Warlow. Oh, okay. David Hobson, welcome to the show. Dan, thanks for having me. Harmon, nice Thank to you. see you. Thank you for being here. And Pleasure. Very flattered to be here. So to be asked. So my background is comedy. I love mm -hmm. comedy, so and do I. by an extension, musical comedy. Mm -hmm. And the, those G&S productions that mm. you were involved with, that's how I know you. Right. Yeah. Oh, G <laughs> I mean, G&S are, well, you know, Gilbert and Sullivan, I mean, they were prototype to, well, they're in the lineage of English comedy to, to mm. a degree. I yes. mean, Monty Python, The Goon Show. Yes. They all kind of go back to G&S, mm. you know, the social commentary and the, you know, the patter songs yeah. and the... the yeah, I mean, really and truly, they were they were the the original sort yeah, of. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah. It, my, know, my access through Gilbert and Sullivan actually it was, I guess, anti opera. It was the yep. John English Simon Gallagher productions back in the the nineties. Well, actually, <laughs> my my very first production yeah. that I ever did, my first professional production, was with with yeah. John. Yeah. Um, and Simon. Yeah, I know. I know. Yeah. <laughs> I had no intention of being a singer at all. Yeah. And I'd written a rock opera based on Macbeth mm. and my voice was heard on a demo tape and they c encouraged me to come and sing and I said, I'm not interested mm. in singing. And they said, well, we do this is the Victoria State Opera. They said, we're mm. doing this new version of the Pirates of Penzance. I yeah. said, well, that sounds pretty daggy. Yeah. But they convinced me to come and be the understudy to the main role, which Simon was doing, mm -hmm. Frederick, and that was my introduction into kind of the world of musical theatre and opera. Well, it's funny because it was also my introduction through comedy as well as musical mm. theatre. Because those productions they were involved in were just comedies. Yeah, absolutely. A lot of improv as well. Yep, and we just go and book, off, book yeah, it a little bit. Yep. We we had uh, Drew Forsyth oh, yeah. in oh, who was right. a part of those. Because I think he did the ones well. after. Yeah. Yeah, and yeah, it's just that was my introduction through through that uh, comedy world, mm. which sort of expanded my mind into writing and comedy. Ever since, it sort of like helped me form my identity mm -hmm. as well. Yeah. Wow. And did you do stand up as well? You've yes, like yes, I did stand up for about a year. Uh -huh. But yeah, and delved more into the writing side of it. And who do you kind of write for? Is there a oh a bunch of friends you probably wouldn't right. even have heard of? Yeah. Okay. Up oh, and coming. Sure, I will. Yeah. yeah absolutely. <laughs> I mean, come, I am coming time. I'm a complete fan of comedy. Yeah. Well, it's funny because you actually delved. Um, into comedy with Colin Lane yeah, with, recently. With Colin. Yeah, I saw him in Frankston last year. Oh, right. Yes. Okay, yeah, which probably one of the most favourite things I've done. I mean, yeah. we're, we're next year actually we're hoping to, we're not hoping, but we are going to ramp it up and mm. and do a whole new uh, round of shows and, you know, take it to the next level. But Colin, actually Colin and I have known each other for about 30 years now, I think. Yeah. So we've, th us getting together is a pretty random thought yeah but just a couple of years ago we're going i was i had to do this um a, a concert on a ship of all places with an orchestra and it had opera singers and uh, musical theater people on it and they needed someone to do an mc thing for a night and they had someone from america pulled out and i said well i've got this guy colin he's not doing it he could do it and then we wrote a 
a 25-minute spot with an orchestra mm. for Colin and I. Yeah. What is it about comedy that speaks so highly to you? I love to laugh. Mm. Yeah. yeah, well. That's... No, I know that sounds ridiculous, but I really, <laughs> I love to laugh and I just think, I mean, I just grew up, um, my dad had a whole raft of records, recordings, which I would listen to consistently of and mainly English comedy. Yeah. Um People like Peter Cook and Dudley Moore, The Goons, um, and an American comedy duo called Wayne and Schuster. I don't know if you know of these, Dan, any of uh, these. Not Wayne and Schuster. Uh, no. And just, you know, Monty Python eventually. But I, I would listen to these records over and over again. Stanley Holloway, who you probably don't know, he was music hall comedian. And I know it just kind of resonated with me. Mm. The Marx Brothers, who I just absolutely adore Groucho Marx is just a hero mm. of mine so th- there's something and, and to be comedy is really hard to do absolutely really hard Couldn't to do I mean, the, the, the difference between mm. comedy and drama is pretty um it requires a different kind of mindset mm. but the skill level involving in um, performing comedy mm. and writing comedy, as you know, Dan, is mm. really difficult. It's the quickest feedback of any art form comedy. Well, that's true. It's mm. quickest art, uh, feedback because you're... You know it's working. If, you know it's working. Yeah. And if it's not, you get that immediate... You, you feel it. You feel that energy very yep. quickly. Yeah. And that's why I always say that mm. comedy is... It's very hard. It's not yes. easy to do. It's not easy to make people laugh. It's not. So, I mean, I'm not a comedian per se. And... Uh, but um, as you've seen... So you've done comic roles. With, yeah. I've done comic roles yeah. and I... I absolutely love it. Mm. I absolutely absolutely love it. But more than that, I love working with someone in a Mm. comic duo. I don't don't think, although I do kind of, when I do my solo shows, I do a little bit of my Mm. own comedy to a degree and people laugh. But that's probably more because it's my demographic and it's Mm. out of my comfort zone. So I think opera singer or, you know, the guy who usually on a costume and being serious. Yes. So it's kind of easier for me to get a laugh in that situation mm. because I'm out of my comfort zone. But yeah. to actually be in a situation, say, with Colin, mm. and if people don't know who Colin is, he's from Lane and Woodley, so he's the Lano, Colin mm. Lane. It's different because the stakes are a little bit high because they expect it to be funny. So mm. I love that challenge yeah. as well. But I love bouncing off someone. I mean, that's, that's what's so exciting. Mm, we, we've touched on this with previous guests that I could not get over that stage fright and that sort of you know that fear of going up on stage by yourself but when you're in it you love it but there's something about performing with other people Mm -hmm. where there's a bit more of a safety net because if you fail you fail together Together. yeah (laughs) that's good (laughs) it is true i mean i i personally although i've been a solo artist and as a you know writer i also you know compose write music it is a solo. Um, I was going to ask you that same. It's it's, uh, and I'm very happy with my own company, but I actually prefer to be in a band. So right. I started out playing in rock bands and jazz bands and pop bands, and I think had I had the right combination of people, or we'd gone to a certain level, I would have just preferred mm. to be in a band. So that's when I work with someone like Colin. That's what yeah. it's like. It's like yes. being in a little band, and we. We love it. And yeah. If, you, if you're working with someone you really like, it's a teamwork. It's 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 not like five people working. It's one organized uh, organism. It's yes. Like one thing now. Yes. Mm. So I I find that, and I I mean I love team sport as well. Mm. Yeah. So I still yeah play sport. I still play footy and all that kind of thing. So there's something about what, bouncing off people, which I. What really do you love. think about comedy and music? So music yeah. itself. Yep. 
is such deep thing for human beings. It, it motivates us and moves us and comedy as well. And when these two things go hand in hand, what do you think is... Why, why do you think comedy moves us? Or what do you think is... Comedy moves us or music moves us? No, no, no. You said... Why do you think comedy moves us? I thought you said comedy moves us. I said too. music moves us definitely from, from inside. And comedy itself is such a great art form because it, it you know, that... Elevates us in a way. Like it, it gives yes. us a lightness yes. of spirit that we yeah. require. Yeah. It makes us forget our worries, makes us forget we have all have nine to five jobs to do, yep. put food on the table and yep. all the Well, it's very, much, it's very much theatre, I think, itself as well. There's something about the theatre of stand-up yeah. comedy as well and like musical theatre, opera, whatever it is. It's just you're going to the theatre to and imagine, escape your life. Imagine <laughs> giving one human being a mic and it's like, okay, go on, tell us stories and yeah. make us laugh. Tell a story and make, make us, us laugh. laugh. Yeah. And what do you think about those two things when they're combined together? What's going on in our brains? In the in the performer's brains or the audience's brains? Audience's brains. That's a good point. Oh, what is going through our brains? <laughs> um, well, I've actually just been in New York and I've seen two shows which really, really affected me. They were musical theatre shows. Mm. And I, I mean, not wanting to denigrate what we call jukebox musicals. Yes. Where we take pop songs and just, you yeah. know, like your mama Mia's yeah. and the Jersey Boys and we, they're, all, they're all fine to a degree. But I've just seen these two shows where the music was written specifically for mm. comedy. Well, no, but for, for the, the the narrative. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then the comedy on top of it. Mm. And then uh, one of the shows was called Hades Town, which is, I don't know if you know, the Orpheus yeah. myth, mm. the Greek, but Orpheus and Eurydice. So Orpheus is a, it's a Greek Mythology. Mythology and Orpheus is the god of well, of music and poetry and mm. he marries this girl called Eurydice and she dies, she gets bitten by an asp and she ends up in the underground in Hades and Orpheus is so bereft that he somehow is granted the opportunity to go to Hades mm. and to get through into the underworld of Hades, which is obviously hell or not hell but that's Underground. Where, yep. Yes. Um, he has to soothe the savage beasts and the furies who right. are blocking his way mm, to the wow. entrance. And he's such a great musician. He sings these beautiful mm -hmm. songs. He gets to the underworld and he's allowed to take Eurydice back because he's sung so beautifully and... Mellowed down the beasts. Mellowed down the beasts. But he can take her back up to earth but he's allowed to grab her hand but he is not allowed to look back or else she will be forever be... Gone. Gone. Mm. Wow. And it's like a trust of faith and, of course, he turns back and she's gone forever and he... Uh, but so this was a modern take on that mm. on that story, and I was just blown sideways because yes. there was humour. Um, it was like Orpheus was he was like a Jeff. Do you know who Jeff Buckley is? Yeah, oh, of course. Yeah. So it was like Jeff Buckley, who's this great singer from the nineties. He died yeah. too young, and he was just had this most beautiful angelic high tenor voice. So Orpheus had that type of music, and um, there was but it was they kind of had jazz and blues and. But comedy and so the comedy, I guess it's the because it's totally um, pit, pitted against the drama. Mm. When there's a great humor, then the pathos and the the uh, the drama is kind of accentuated because of the dynamism, mm. if you know what I mean. So that's what this show had. It's a balancing act. Mm. It's a balancing act. Mm. You laugh heartily and then you're moved. Mm. Which is life yeah. in itself. So these these that that show is written beautifully. So when that happens, I think the audience are taken on a, you know, and, and, and as long as the performers are earnestly performing and there's a, a sense of vulnerability and openness, we will relate to the 
mm. to the story and you'll laugh with them and you'll cry with them. So, yes, when the combination is beautiful. fused together, it's beautiful. Mm, and it obviously you identify with a character, like I identified it heavily with Orpheus and, you know, fell in love with Eurydice and you, you go on the journey with them. So mm. it's like a story. It's, 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 that's what storytelling is. It's meant to elevate us and, and kind of awaken mm. awaken our spirit and awaken whatever within human us. qualities mm. is within us. Mm. Absolutely. So, yeah, we're, we're, and I think it should be encouraged. I mean, in Australia we... We need to we need to have more of that. I mean, people do go, but and the deeper sometimes the deeper the music and the more complex the music, the more work you have to do, but you get more out of it right. in the end. Yeah, does that make sense? Do you sense? think it's yeah. fading away? Theatre? Yes. No. Or everything? No. I don't know. I don't think so. Mm. I I, mm. I think. I mean. I mean, it's bigger I was than so, ever in Melbourne, at least. Yeah, I think yeah. so. And I was really heartened by because I haven't been to New York for probably ten years or so. Maybe more. Um, and I was really heartened by the theatre scene and the performances and the writing and the di- the quality of the writing, the quality of the performances. And I went to saw I saw a magic flute, which is Mozart's opera at the Met, and that was that was well, it's one of the greatest operas ever written, and it's such a uh, a deep piece of theatre, but it's also comedy as well. Mm. I mean, I would right. highly recommend for people to go and check it out. Check something like the magic flute out. Uh, and that was performed with such panache, elan, humanity, skill, heart. Yeah, it was brilliant. So that was, that was really enlightening. For someone who doesn't know, what is opera? So opera is... <laughs> I don't want you to define it. I want you to, want you to take me to a journey. Well, it's like literally... Well, I mean, opera is probably a fusion of all the great art forms and, you know, you have... You were talking about it before with gaming, but... Opera, the, I think the greatest music in Western cultures was written for opera. Mm. And there was like a 200-year two, window where there was, it's kind of like the Beatles. It was, it was a huge confluence of events where everything came together at the right time and you get this explosion of creativity which is timeless. Mm. So with the Beatles, that's what you had. You know, you had the... The, the luck of Paul and John getting together. Um, then they go to Hamburger and they Hamburger. They go to Hamburg, and they play eight or ten hours a day. So they get their musical chops up, their writing chops up. Um, and then they meet George Martin, who's a great producer. They're in the '60s, where there's an explosion of creativity, anyway. And you know, they produce possibly the greatest pop music you'll ever see. And everything else, from my perspective, anyway, pop music-wise. You can can kind of bring it all back to the Beatles, and of course the Beatles. You know their influence was English music hall, you know Afro American blues and rock and roll and Elvis and, but they elevated it to another level, and there was kind of a window of eight or nine, no, really sixty three to sixty nine. Mm. It's like fifty or sixty years. The way it just accelerated mm-hmm. the, the the quality of music and the explosion of their writing, the difference between "Please Please Me," which was their first album, to "Abbey Road" and "Let It Be," the last one, is just light years away. So, anyway, my point is that opera for me is kind of similar because you had these incredible composers, particularly in Europe, so your Mozart's and your Beethoven's, and then in opera it became Verdi and. And uh, Puccini and Wagner and they 
told stories with the most incredible music. Mm. And they, they, the, you know, the human voice, they, they kind of, because it's the opera, the difference between opera and musical theatre is the, there's no microphones involved. So you have mm. a full orchestra mm. and you have to project your voice into a 2,000 or 3,000 or, I mean, I was saying at this, the San Francisco Opera and that was like nearly 4,000 seats. So you're singing with 80 guys in the orchestra mm. pit and you've got to fill the theatre with that sound. And so it requires a huge amount of skill mm. and dedication and, um, well, I guess. And, and they would do that without mics? Yes, out without microphones. So yeah. you have to project your voice. So you have to learn how to colour your voice and project it without screaming. Although Which in some a, respects yeah. I called opera singing cultivated yelling. <laughs> yeah, that would be such a hard thing to do to compete with a whole orchestra. Well, the thing is well. that those composers were so brilliant mm. that, Yes, they're huge orchestras, mm. but when the voice sings, so they would have the, the instrumentation and the arrangements, the orchestrations, would leave a certain hole in the sound spectrum of where where the where your particular voice lies. Like for soprano, they'd leave a gap within the orchestration where the soprano voice can get through. Yes, there's a huge sound around her. Mm. I love same, how you explain does, that. Does that make sense? It yeah. absolutely does. Yeah. And it. then. But I don't think that arrangements these days, say in musical theatre, because they have microphones, mm. are as done as well because mm. they just have this wall of sound and they think, oh, look, I've got a microphone so I can sing it. So they don't, sometimes they don't have that quality yeah. of arrangement. Does that make sense? So the yeah. colour, yeah. it's like a painting where you just, everything just gets splashed on. Mm. Instead of like instead a, of actually crafting it, like so. a three D thing. I, I see what you're trying to explain. It's yep. like a three D thing, and there's a, there's one person's voice that goes through yes. it, mm. and they and leave they, a gap for that voice. And the voice still has to be so well produced and, and, and big, mm. but not so big that you know. Sometimes you can be on stage and you're with a soprano, and you think, "Gee, that's a small sound," or and there'll be this huge bass who's got this huge voice, and you mm. think, "Wow, that's going to be loud out there," but it's actually the quality and the focus of the soprano voice sometimes which might sound small on stage, that fills the room because it, yeah. it, it projects out and it has focus in the sound. So, Beautiful. Uh, you know, the skill and, and, and training involved to get to that kind of point uh, is, you know, you need more than your 10,000 hours put, which is the, so, which is a lot. Mm. But my point is that, yes, I think, and so opera is great storytelling. You have, sometimes you can have a combination of, you know, the best ballet, the best design, the best singing, and then of course you have the orchestra. And when it all comes together, and it, it's just mind blowing. Mm. It's some of the most beautiful pieces of art that you'll ever that you'll ever see. But in some respects, it's like a living museum because mm. I mean, you can go to the art gallery and mm. yeah. see the thing. Yeah. But, I, but but with opera, we still have to do it now. You're experiencing yes. to experience it. Yeah, recordings yeah. are okay, but to be in the actual theatre yeah, is a different I think story. that quite beats actually seeing it in person. No, Let I don't ask, know if that makes sense or not. It absolutely it does. does. Yeah. Let me ask you this. Huh. What does opera mean to you? Um, well, I, mm, well, as I say, I just think it can be as a, and this is an important point I have to make as well, is that you can have just as great a, depth of um, experience and emotional mm -hmm. kind of, yes, what am I trying to say? Yes, the depth and the quality of experience you can have can be the same as performing 
as you can as an audience member as well. So mm. that's what opera means to me. Mm. It can be that kind of fulfilling on both sides. When it's not done well, it's you know, mm. it can be pretty dire. But it's yeah, I just think it's some of the greatest expression of of the human spirit that mm. has been written. And yeah. music generally tries to describe that which can't be described in words. Mm. So whether you know, if you listen to a well, it can be a pop song or it could be modern. It could be a Beethoven Sixth Symphony and, you know, it could be Bach. Mm. Yeah, so mm. there's just something about music which I think elevates the human spirit. Who do you think changed the trajectory of opera or music? What do you mean? Changed the tra trajectory. Oh, well, there was a guy called Gluck who wrote a, um, an opera um, called, well, Orpheus. Mm. That was a, um, he changed the the course of opera, um, Verdi. I mean, there's a lot of great, great composers. Um, and, and if you if you talk about the recorded voice, Caruso and Melba, mm. they became popular because the, the human voice was heard on a record for the first time. That was pretty important. Mm. You know, you could probably say um, Joan Sutherland here in Australia, mm. who's our greatest soprano. Yes. Or with along with Melba, she kind of helped... Opera here, uh, that's a hard question. You know, you could argue on a popular level, you know, the three tenors mm -hmm. when they sang yeah. at the World Cup and Pavarotti did Ness and Dorma, the, that kind of popularised it. But, I mean, there are many, there are many kind of moments in opera. I mean, it, 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 it kind of grew out of being like a court fancy for um, where, where singers and particularly castrati, you know what a castrato is, where they, you know what a castrato is? That's when a boy soprano has his manhood taken away Ooh. and his voice remains a soprano mm. sound mm -hmm. but he has the kind of strength and uh, vocal capacity of a man. Mm -hmm. So these voices were very, very strange. So the castrato, well, we have now what they call counter tenors who sing in falsetto. Go back and a little bit. Go back. <laughs> Go back. Go back a little bit. Hold on. Well, <laughs> he's he's not an opera opera guy. Oh, okay. Yeah. So all opera in the 16 and 1700s was very big in the European courts, particularly in Italy. Mm. And as I say, there would be they would target these soprano boys, and they would become what are known as castrato or eunuchs. Mm. And they had the, if they had a particular talent for the voice, and the families would be paid money for them. So they sometimes they'd come from poor families to be performers, to be opera singers, or sing in the church choirs, mm. um, and they became very popular with composers because they had these freak voices. So mm. what, what's a voice of you know like a really high? Yeah, they had these high voices that would sing like women, but have the power of a man. man. So it's like they had this fusion of mm. it was a different right. sound. Mm. And there's only one recording which remains by a guy called Alessandro Moreschi. It was the last castrato and it, I think he was at oh, which chapel? Chapel in Italy anyway. And he, you can hear his voice singing the Ave Maria. That I think it would have been in the 1920s. So he um, had this really, really strange sound. Mm. It's kind of otherworldly. But these castrati were huge. They were like Michael Jackson of their day. They were superstars. And composers would write for them and they would sing these really florid passages and it was more about the voice as opposed to the story of the opera. So mm. the stories of the yeah. operas would usually be old mythology about gods and they'd have 
it, it, like you'd have um, what we'd say de capo arias. God, I'm probably boring everyone, but a de capo <laughs> aria is where you sing one verse, you sing the chorus, and then you go back and sing the verse again, but you put your own stamp on it. Mm. It's kind of like you've got an extended yeah. guitar solo, but it's by the... Mm. Something unique. Yeah, yeah so it, but it'd be by the, the castrato himself where he'd do all these pyrotechnic vocal yeah. things and they became very, very... Um, they, they were very popular in the day. But then the castrato started to die out and it was more about telling the story as opposed to just the vocal. Right. Mm. Um, and that's what I say with the, the Orpheus opera by Gluck. That was a change with that, although... He was a castrato as well. And then it became more what we call the verismo operas, meaning verite, which means truthful. So it was just about singing the, singing the story without all the kind of mm. affectation of lots of solos and, wow. and what have you. I, I, I don't know if I'm making any sense or not. You are actually. But no, this is so educational. This is very yeah. educational and you don't get to, we don't get to hear this in our normal everyday lives and that's the whole reason we're doing this. I'm sure an opera singer, yeah. other opera singers would have another take on it and there is a, mm. but that's yeah pretty much what it is. But it's, it, it really is. It's like it's heightened reality. Mm. Right. So, yeah, yeah so it, 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 it takes something and puts it in a, well, it's, I guess you could say it's unnatural singing, but it's it's because the, the emotions they're singing about are so... Um, high and impassioned and deep and this it's what happens in musical theater like mm. you'll have dialogue in musical theater mm -hmm. then you get to a point where i just can't say it without singing yeah you know what i mean that, that's yeah. what a, that's yes. what great musical theater is y yes so an opera yeah. is sung through generally there's there is no dialogue mm -hmm. and because the themes are so kind of highfalutin and um yes so it, it, it it's like trying to heighten the music and give give us a kind of more elevated expression yeah. of the human spirit. That's that's how that's I look beautiful. at it. I, yeah, I love that I love so that. much. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> if that makes sense. It does. Mm. How, how do you know you've got a voice built for opera? I don't know. I don't know that I well, I didn't <laughs> think I did. I mean I've got a I've got a lyric tenor voice and um Is it a gift or is it like a honed thing like you practice well, that's it. a really difficult question because i don't know mm. you know i just i always sang and i had no intention of being an opera singer though so yeah most of my career has been opera but mm. i do other things mm. i think the, anatomically yes you do have to have a certain setup within your larynx mm. to a degree but then with great training if you've got a yeah. okay voice then you can Probably yeah. get to a certain level, but I think, like everything in life, I mean, some people run faster, some people sing higher, some mm. people, you know, are better at throwing a shot. It's put. Genetic gift. Yeah, it's yeah. genetics plays a little bit, mm. I think, but then it's also about what your spirit is. True. I mean, for me, oftentimes it doesn't. What can be thought of as a beautiful sound doesn't necessarily mean that it moves me. Mm. Sometimes it's imperfection which is mm. actually more kind of appealing sometimes mm. because they are open-hearted or there is something unique a way they're expressing. Sometimes you can get a perfect voice which sounds absolutely perfect, perfectly in tune, you know, beautifully rounded sound. You think that that's not moving me, although it's doing its job. job yes. But mm. then you'll get someone who, oh, maybe a little bit pitchy or maybe they're not singing as 
correctly or the language isn't as good, but I'm actually moved by it. So there's no, there is no kind of. <laughs> what kind of music do you listen to? Do you ever, there are days, are there any days you throw down and be like, I'm just going to go listen to Jay-Z? <laughs> I don't know Jay Z, <laughs> but no, I, I've heard the I've heard the name. Uh, yeah, no, I just love music. Mm. So I've always um, been pretty open, mm. pretty open with. So it's pretty ex- universal for you. Yeah, I'm. I'm in what, tastes. I, what we used to say of Catholic tastes. Mm. I don't know mm. why that Catholic tastes Catholic, means very yeah. wide. I don't know what that means, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> For some reason, Catholic, I, I must look it up, but we used to say, yes, he has Catholic tastes. I don't know, I don't that know what, that what that means. Well, it means I have a, like a broad church. Yeah. <laughs> so I like many, many. I, what, I love music. If it's what, good, it's good. Is there any um, current music that you're listening to that we would be aware of? So just so I know what your taste is. Um... Try me. I don't know. Um, Jay Z. No. Well, you mean like uh, rap or well, that's that's that was rap. I was just that, that was something funny. It just popped in my head. Right. Um, I don't know. Something like so. Here's the thing. I was born in '97, so I oh, missed. God, you're a baby. <laughs> yeah, I am. Yes. I was born in 1990. Wow. So a bit older. I am. So, mate, you're yeah. only a year older than my daughter. Okay. Wow. Jeez. Um. So I don't know what she's listening to. It's you don't. Oh yeah. Okay. That's that's a good one. Do you listen my, to anything? What she's listening to. Yeah, uh, I well, I can't help but I'm not sure what some of it is, but yes. <laughs> and my son has a, but my son who's really into music, he he has a really wide range. He listens to everything from '60s to today to. I just happened to fall into that um, beautiful slide of old blues, jazz, uh-huh. and I happened to hit country music as well oh, yeah. american country music mm-hmm. and i was like okay this is something different but like and who what, what what sort of i apologize i wouldn't know the names because again i'm very new to that kind of music yeah. but something like bb king okay or all that old that's school blues, yeah. yeah that's blues R&B, yeah. r&b's and i love that i said okay that's something that tunes me off what so now i realize what i was listening to was just most of it was i'm a big fan of words i'm, I'm a big okay. fan of words people who can craft their words be it comedy be it rap or whatever it is people who can craft their words into like a symphony i'm a big fan of that right so uh, there's a chance that i might actually like opera <laughs> look i think oh, yeah, well, there's a, i mean a bit of, i mean opera is it's a wide there's a wide palette of choice mm. i mean you got your gnss which yeah. What? No, Genus yeah. is opera. Yeah, it is opera. Operetta, yeah. Well, operetta. Operetta, yeah. So we call it operetta, which mm. is operetta generally means it's slightly, the, the, the stories are generally slightly lighter and there's dialogue, but the singing mm. is the same. So would, you, you still, would you call it more accessible operettas? Yes, and, I would. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. A little bit lighter. I mean, there mm. was, so you have Gilbert and Sullivan, there were people like Strauss and Kalman and Leha. It was very big in Germany, particularly mm. in the late. 19th, early 20th century. Um, and, you know, I've done, I've done a fair bit of opera as well. Merry Widow, have you heard of that? Those yeah, kind of yeah, things. Of course, yeah, Land of Smiles. And opera, so the lineage, you know, went from to opera to operetta to musical theatre. So mm. that's mm. that's how music, musical theatre grew out of the operetta produ- uh, mm. tradition. And it was generally um, composers from Eastern Europe or Europe who were in America who started musical theatre, whether mm. it be like Irving Berlin and, um, oh, God, I'm trying to think of the names. Well, Gershwin, of course. Um, 
these got Cole Porter, um, although he was a little bit lazy, but that 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 grew out of the operetta tradition. Mm. Right. Desert mm. Song. Who else wrote that? Oh, many, 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 many of the great American musical mm. theatre. I do also go sometimes Nirvana and all that, all that. Oh, you go where? Sorry, Nirvana. Uh, oh yeah, you mean the band? Nirvana. The band, yes, the Nirvana and uh, something like those. Those was that was new for me as well because again, I come from a very different place where we weren't playing those kind of. So music. what? Where'd you come from? Uh, I was born in North India. Okay. And I've been here six years, so my education. Oh my goodness! So yeah, yeah, yeah. right. You've only just got. You're a baby. Fresh out. I of mean, book. you're a baby anyway. Yeah. And you're, uh, baby in Australia as well. That's why I'm, I'm six mm. years old in Australia. That's uh-huh. what I like to say. And um, so, what were you listening to in North India? Um, something that uh, was going on back then as well. Uh, we have very happy and very energetic music. Would that what we listen to is mostly dance music. I'm going to say, yep. if that if that makes sense. Yeah, it does. Yep. Yeah, we love to dance up there, and something that's loud and, and colorful and colorful. Lots of colors and. That, that whole culture is based off of that. Yeah, and the Bollywood. Well, Bollywood grew out of that. <clears throat> Bollywood grew out of that. Um, I stopped listening. It phased out. I wouldn't say I stopped listening. It phased out on me. And what Bollywood phased out. Bollywood phased out on me. I'm listening to all that older Bollywood hi- Hindi classic music. Musicians. So what era is that? I'm going to say 90s or even before yes. that. Yes. Before that, those legendary singers were yep. singing on sitar, yep. on uh, uh, all those other instruments. I was listening to that back then. And now I'm listening to those now because I'm going back now because now I've got the conscious effort to connect to what I come from and look at my heritage and look at music's heritage as well sometimes. So that's what I'm playing with these days. I actually, well, a um, friend of mine... <coughs> Uh, we made a record in the 90s where we used a little bit of Indian music. We had a guy, he was called the sweetest hand from New Delhi, called Charles Gladwin. He played tabla for us. He was unbelievable yeah. on this record. Have you heard of it? No, you wouldn't. probably wouldn't have heard <laughs> of it. <laughs> we had a, a beautiful tabla player. We had a sarod and sitar and everything. Sitar, tabla. Um, tabla, yep. yeah. Um, so I have a great interest in Indian music. That's, oh, well, well, that's good. Have you ever been there? No. You should. I should. I know. Should. Where should yeah. I go? Um, uh, that's, that's that's another story for that's another, another day. That's a whole other podcast. <laughs> that's, a, that's a whole other podcast. <laughs> you don't, you should. I better. <laughs> Here's the thing. India if itself is like, um, it, it is like 26 different countries in one, basically. Uh-huh. All the other states are different to the other states. They speak the different languages. People are different. People from north wouldn't understand the language of people from south. Food is different. People are different. Culture is different. It's diverse and it's beautiful. And it's big. Mm. It's because well, yeah. I, I think you're now overtaking China as the we most populous did, country. Actually, yeah, we did, and um, it's amazing. I, I and I. So why it, here? Why are you here? <coughs> oh, is that? <laughs> no, yeah, no, might have to edit. Might have to no, edit no. this bit. That's fine. Uh, yeah, as I said, he, we he, have full he's control. T- he's yeah, we got full <laughs> control. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He, he's talked about this before a little bit though. Um, um, and where did you guys meet? We, we met at work. Okay. We yeah. met at work. We were working together and one fine day I was listening to a podcast and then said, what are you listening to? I said, I'm listening to a podcast. And uh, I said, I wish I had my own. So let's start a podcast. Yeah, there was, there was no sort of procrastination at all on our part. We sort of just said, let's just let's do it. Dinner. Good on you. Yeah, because if we procrastinated and said, oh, we'll do it a month from now, we'll do it two months from now, we would never have done it. 
And now we've just had all these amazing, cool people come through the podcast that we would never would have had the opportunity to sit down and, and talk to. And just today, listening to you explain what opera is, is just so I'm not so sure mind- that I've explained that well, well you anyway. know, it's just mind-blowing to us and just sort of ed- educational as well. I think of it like I want to listen to all these talented people who've gone all in on their craft and I want to take my listeners to, through that journey of me asking you questions and learning your what your life has been like. So how did you get into opera and could you take us to an origin story? Yeah, sure. Well, as I, I think mm. I started to say, Dan, mm. I I mean, I've always been into music and it was just, I just always sang, always played. But I I was at university actually just here in Melbourne doing commerce, intention of being a lawyer. And I was playing in a band Um and I wrote this rock opera based on Macbeth mm. and which was two hours of sung through music and I did what's called a demo tape. <laughs> it was a cassette back then. I and remember I, those. And I played all the music so, you know, it was pretty intense and one of the potential backers was the Victorian Arts Centre which had just opened and I did a backers producers audition on the stage where I played the piano and sang a few scenes mm. And one of the potential producers was the Victoria State Opera, as I I think I told you before, and they said, we're going to put money into your composition and the Mm. arts centre said, we'd like to put you on a composer retainer. So I was a composer kind of in residence. But the Victoria State Opera convinced me to come and do this Pirates of Penzance Mm. tour with this new version of the Pirates of Penzance. Mm which was this zipped-up Broadway version with a, guy, with a guy playing the pirate king called John English mm-hmm. who was a rock, kind of big yep. rock yes. dude here in Australia. Simon Gallo who was playing Frederick, which is kind of the lead tenor guy. Mm-hmm. That's who they wanted me to, to understudy. So that's how I kind of got into it. I didn't I, – I thought I was just doing it because they, they said, look, this would be good for your writing to come and do the show. To see how it all operates, mm. so I was on stage, backstage, and then Simon was sick. I went on um, and, and performed, and they said, oh, "You know, now we want you to come sing opera." Having seen you do that, I'm going, "No, I'm not interested." But they again convinced mm. me. So that's kind of how it started. And then all of a sudden, I'm thrust into being an opera singer, sort of by accident, kind of by accident yeah. to a degree, and. To do opera, I mean, it's quite intense. It's not like singing pop music. Mm. I mean, you really have to train your voice. Absolutely. You've got to sing in certain languages. So I spent most of my time going to Italy and France learning the languages because mm. French and Italian and German are the three major yes. yeah. languages oh, uh, yeah. languages that opera is written in. And that's how, that's, how, that's how it began and I kind of started falling in love with it mm. from, that, from that point. And Was that the moment that you went all in? I probably wasn't all in, all in at that stage because I was still writing mm. and I thought I was just doing it as a like an accidental tourist and I'll come home soon. Mm. And then I tried, not tried, I was offered a role in a rock thing called um, Chess, which was a oh, musical chess, yeah. written by the Abba guys. Mm-hmm. And Jim Charman, who's quite a... Uh, he's quite a... Um, he was doing this production of Chess and he was a well-to-do... Director, he did the original Superstar here. He was interested in me playing the lead in that. And so I went to the opera company and I said, look, I I think I'm just going to go and write music and no more opera for me. Mm. 
and maybe do this chest to make some money. And the then um, artistic director of the opera company, Moffat Oxenbold, said, well, we're doing a new production of La Boheme, which is quite a famous opera, and we'd like you to do it. We've got this young director called Baz Luhrmann, who and I knew Baz because he'd been there, and Baz and I knew each other. Then we had a, a bit of a meet and greet and we were on the same page. So then again I'm thrust back into opera, so I tried to go out so to get out of it, but I was thrust back in again doing mm. that one. So that's kind of... So you were destined. Well, I don't know about destined. <laughs> I mean you can say... I don't know. Yeah. Do you believe yeah. in destiny and, I don't know, fate? To, to, to some degree. I think you make your own fate yeah. listening to a degree. Good to fantasise mm. about the future or uh, good, good I, to I, I'm not a future fantasizer, so I'm literally in the moment. Mm. So I never, I, I mean, I didn't have that vaulting ambition to be a great opera singer or to be a, I just, you know, all in for whatever I was doing. And then I just went from project to project, whatever kind of came up. Mm. So. Being present in a way. Being pre- yeah. And that's probably the most important thing I find, that being present in whatever you're doing is more important mm, than, than always looking towards projecting. the future or, or yeah. you know, going next? back to the past. Yeah. yeah, As difficult as that is, and it yeah. is. It is difficult. It's difficult. But that's what you've got to try and do. What was the highlight of your career? Oh, no. <laughs> no, no, no. Can't do it. How about, uh-huh. how about this? I, how about performing at, at the Sydney Opera House for the first time? What, what is that moment like um because it's one of the most iconic yeah, places I, I, I in australia know that that okay but here we go this, this will be, <laughs> yeah story what's, time. My, what's my what's my biggest moment well i'm a big football fan i could say yes, that yeah maybe doing singing at the grand final there you go because yeah. it kind of combined it all yeah okay yeah that'll, that'll do that's because i think yeah. to, to one highlight no i don't think i no, mm. I can't really. It, it might change. So as many well. can't tell yeah. me. Do people have one? Do they usually have one? I, I don't know that I do. Um, Doesn't one memory stand stand out from the others? One moment. Let, I think you did. Think. Yeah, that, take your time. Um, See, I love mm. asking these questions because it just puts you in a, like a spiral. Like, well, I got to tell you that being a singer, I don't think, and most singers would agree with this. You never feel like you're hundred percent on. It's like, oh, I got a little bit of a scratch. Oh, I didn't get to sleep. Oh. You know, you never. You feel like you've never seen a hundred percent. But I reckon I've had one night where I was perfectly. You know, the body was perfectly aligned. The mind was aligned. And I was doing a cop- an opera called L'Italiana il Algeri, mm-hmm. the Italian girl in Algiers. And I was just. I had a great night, and my voice just doing what it was meant to do. Mm. And wasn't recorded, which is a bummer. But um, that was probably my best night. Yeah. That's probably my highlight. I mean, it's, it's it's interesting because I remember. Have you heard of Joseph Campbell? Oh yeah, yeah, of course. The yeah. mythologist. Okay, you've got to go and look he's going to write Joseph yeah. Campbell. Joseph Campbell. Actually, what what's a good starting point for Joseph Campbell is he did a series of talks on television with a guy called Bill Moyers, who is like a social commentator mm. or religious commentator in America. It was called The Power of Myth. Power of Myth. Yeah. He was a mythologist Mm. and he's like a tribal elder, Mm. I reckon. He he kind of (laughs) disseminated a lot of all the creation myths and philosophies and religions and distilled it for me in a nice kind of modern, Mm. yeah, modern communicator. 
Mm. He's an American. He, I think he died in 89 maybe. Anyway, I remember him saying, so this guy Bill Moyers asked him, you know, what was your what, what was one of the moments, perfect moment for you or epiphany moment? Mm. And, I, you know, I was expecting him to say, well, it's probably meeting some guru in a cave in India, you know, yeah, some sort meditating of in meditating a cave. and, you know, he <laughs> gave him the meaning of life. But you know what it was for him? He said, uh, uh, Joseph said, well, I, well, he said I was about 18 or 19, I was at college and I was running a 1,500-metre race, 1500 race and he felt as though his body and his mind was in perfect harmony with the day, body was doing what it was meant to do and wow. everything mm. was just right with the world. That was his moment of epiphany. Wow. So I was kind of thinking the same thing for me was just this... <clears throat> I felt like the voice was doing what it was meant to do. I was totally relaxed. And you don't get those mm. many times. Mm. No. How, how do you keep yourself healthy during a big um, production, a big opera production? Yeah. Well, it's you got to limit. I mean, every, look, everyone's different and every mm. body, as in every corp, corpus mm. is different. Mm. Um, I find that... I need to rest. I need to sleep. Mm. Got to be hydrated. Make sure you're not sick. Uh, don't talk too much. Talking mm. is actually almost worse than singing. Mm. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's like being an athlete to a degree. Mm. So you really got to look after your body. Do you have you... any? Sorry. Do you have any pre-performing rituals? Oh God, millions. Yeah, well, please tell <laughs> us. Oh, millions. <laughs> uh, actually, they change. Mm. They do change, yeah. I mean, steaming and you know, the warm up, the vocal warm ups, and some. But the, what the annoying thing is, you have all these routines, and then sometimes you can be running late, or you're doing a tour. Yeah, you don't have time. To you <laughs> don't have time. You just go on. It's like, well, get the that? costume, makeup. Yeah, on, that go was straight okay. Back into, yeah. I mean, we all have different, and every show requires a different. Um, mm. Every role requires something different. So sometimes you can mm. be doing a, a show where you've got to go out and sing. The first thing is got a really wide range. You're going to sing high notes. So you've got to be warmed up absolutely perfectly. And then another role you might or another show, you might start with a, a f some um, moments where it warms your voice up as, mm. as the role goes along. So you can either over-warm up, under-warm up, Mm. It's it's it, it's always different, mm. and I I tend to over warm up sometimes and overthink, so I have mm. to be careful that I relax, mm. you know. And it doesn't matter whether I'm singing for ten people or singing for millions on television. I get the same degree of nerves and adrenaline. Do you like performing in intimate venues, or do you like? I like it all. Mm. It doesn't matter where I am. But, but as I say, and there's a, sometimes performing for ten or fifteen people can be more confronting than going out and mm. seeing in front of millions on telly or the in a theater or but i like it yes i like it all mm. really there's no no real difference if the audience are there and engaged and you're engaging them well that's that's good mm. and they're just as mm. important as you are mm. when, in in a moment when a show is up and running when yep. it's on its feet yep and it's been on you're for doing a, a long month run. or so yeah do you, do you still have to go in for rehearsals? Oh, God, yeah. Oh, well, if not rehearsals, you definitely have to go in for warm-ups and it 
and I never thought that because, I mean, having done mainly opera, mm. the longest runs I had done would have been things like the GNS and but I, having done musical theatre as well a little bit, I thought, oh, my, how am I going to be when you're doing it months on end? Yeah. But the funny thing is that every night you, well, you feel like you never really yeah. get it right or the, you see you're always working yeah. towards making and you know that people are paying the same money. Mm. As they did on opening mm-hmm, night, as mm-hmm. they are three months later. So you're got to be on point. You've got to be on point every night, night, every performance. Doesn't matter who's who's out there. So I guess that, that's always a challenge. Would that differ with musical theatre? Because I know you've done opera yep. and musical theatre as well. No, I think it's the same. It is the same. But the thing is, with musical theatre though, you've got to because you're doing say eight shows a week, you have to really um, you know pace yourself. Mm. And probably the difference is. You know, doing an opera is like doing a marathon. Mm. Yeah. So you can't really do more than a few a week. You know, mm. if you do more than a particular performance, because your your voice is put under a lot of stress yes. without a microphone. Yeah. Whereas musical theatre, although it does re- require the same amount of energy. Yeah. I'm not saying one's harder or easier. Mm. But it's yeah. just a different kind of skill set. Um, it's funny we had we had Rob Mills in here uh, earlier yeah. this week, and he's currently in um, and Juliet. Oh yeah. Yep. Yep. Um, what did Rob have to say? And, and, well, he was only here a few hours before he had to go on stage and I told him if I was in a big production like mm. that, I wouldn't be able to think about anything else for the rest of the day while he doing a podcast a few hours oh, no, he'd be good, beforehand. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. And what did he say? He oh, fine. he just like, uh, I can't remember what he said actually, but I just sort of, I was playing that scenario through my mind, like what would I would I be making time for a podcast if I had to go on stage? Yeah, I, a few. Yeah, well, it, I mean, depending depending on the role. So the role he's, I, mean, I haven't seen Anne Juliet. It's but, a great production. Yeah, no, yeah, I've got to go and see yeah. it. Um, but I dare say, but but Rob has also got a, a different kind of character yeah. as well. Like mm. he's, I mean, he's, he's just so likable, and mm. I mean, I really love, he's lovely. We kick the footy together as mm. well sometimes. Rob and I, yeah, in a group of guys, um, but he's got you know just a lovely disposition and generosity of spirit, and mm. that's that's his cachet. Yeah, you know that's yeah. how he. I think he, he fr- thrives on on loving people. life. I think people, people. He yeah, thrives exactly. On people yeah. and energy, and that, that's just so delightful. Mm. You know, um, yeah. Look, I dare say if he was about to go into a leader recital. Which leader? I don't know if you know if that is no, a no. German art song, or he was doing a thing called something like Winterreise, which is twenty-four songs in mm. a big song cycle in German. I don't think Rob would be here doing yeah, a podcast. Yeah, yeah. So that, yeah. I mean, it, everything's yeah. different. Yeah, in the world, true. You know? yeah. Every 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 um every aspect of performance and art requires a different. But he's in, he's in a run now. If it was probably a week into the show, he wouldn't be here. Yeah, yeah. But it's like, well, mm. I got a job to go to, and I'm. I'm fine. Yeah, yeah. Probably relax him before he went in. Yeah. I mean, and and oftentimes, you know, during the run of a show, we do have to go and do publicity and do mm, interviews. Of course, yeah. And a lot of them are during the day. Or can you do this at 3 o'clock, show's on at 6, got to be there for the warm-up? Mm. Sure. Yeah. Mm. And it is about trying to tell people about what's on. Yeah. What it's about. That's our job. Mm. That's our job. Mm. Literally. I, I, I'm, I'm a big... Um, fan of Anthony Wallow. Right. Too. I think he's quite a charismatic chameleon. He, he can delve into sort of any mm-hmm. role. So I'm wondering if you can share anything about working with, with Anthony Wallow. 
What would you like to know? Anthony oh, just Fra- just any any anything because I'm I'm oh. curious. I'm so curious as to what what that guy's like to sort of. Well, he's. With. I mean, he's very particular. Yeah. Like he he is a, um, so he he's a different kind of performer in the sense that he likes things to be, mm. uh, on point all yeah. the time. Mm-hmm. And he's re- I mean, he's very good. His his craft is great. Mm. So he's less kind of. Uh, Although he can be spontaneous as well, but he he very he he crafts in rehearsal and he gets to a point where this is this is how the character works and mm. he's he's a great kind of um, yeah he's a great creator of a character as you said mm. and a, a fantastic voice great kind of mimic yeah yeah a lot of fun so I mean rehearsals are generally mm. a lot of fun I mean we yeah we we would have had a lot of fun so anything I can I mean. Yeah, I mean, he's just he's a, yeah. he's, he's a he's a really great kind of working actor. Yeah, and yeah. he is an acting singer. I mean, you know, he had a beautiful voice as well, mm. or has a beautiful voice as well. It, what what aspects do you ad- admire in colleagues? Because you do work with um, um, generosity, of spirit, humility, yeah. uh, a willingness to to give over. I think that for me, the most rewarding thing, and I is when I see a performer on stage and I can just tell they're open and that's the quality I kind of thrive mm. on more than anything. Mm. And I think that, you know, someone who has is team-oriented mm. and open mm. Mm. and humble. Well, co- I think collaboration is important. Collaboration yeah. is really important. But I think that as a um, punter, that's what I respond to. Everyone's mm. kind of different. Some people like, I like people who not wear masks but mm. actually work from the inside out. Mm. You see, you can you can connect to that because it's uh, it's true. It's it's, it's true. Real. Yeah, it's real. It's I, I, I like that. Everyone. But yeah. the I mean the comedia comedia dell'arte thing where you put on a mask, yeah, that's okay too. That's kind of fun. But I respond to a different kind of performance. Mm. So in yes, and I've been blessed to have great collaborators. It's funny how we can def- um, distinguish and pick out what you just said there when someone's actually being real and raw, yeah, versus when someone's not. Yeah, I mean, with human- it, but when they're not, I mean, people still like it. Mm. And when I mean, it's funny when young artists ask me certain questions sometimes, I think, well, just be true. Mm. Be true, and sometimes you don't. You, it's easy to go out and get applause to mm. a degree, but it's harder to actually touch someone. Ooh. Does that make sense? Yeah. To yes. really, yes, mm. to be that kind of brave, I think it's easier to get applause. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, it's easy to get the cheap, cheap applause to get a. Sometimes to get a cheap laugh or to get applause. Yeah, mm. to elicit applause. You know, sing a high note. To touch someone. But to really touch someone. someone. Yes, mm. like that. Yeah, go out and sing a few high notes. Oh, isn't that amazing? <laughs> or, you know, sing some beautifully open and honest singing or performing. Mm. I that I respond to that as a colleague and as a punter. For yeah. that you have to believe truly in what you're doing. Yes. You have to you have to realize that this is part of me now. You have to believe in yourself and that's the only way you can do it. I think so. Yeah, yeah believe but also believe you're a conduit and believe that you are only a small part mm. of what is happening. Mm. 
I mean, if you think you're bigger than the than the the art that you're doing or the mm. colleagues you're working with, well, then I don't think that's so great. Because mm. really, the work's been done for you. you. You're just a cog in the machine, absolutely. As well, you're just lucky to be yeah. there. Yeah. I mean, you, I I pinch myself mm. every time I get to do what I do. Yeah, you know, and I've been very lucky to keep working. Do you think those legendary classical singers mm. would actually believe that they are actually big, or they thought themselves to be humble? I think the really the most yeah the biggest people I've met or worked with they're generally the most real and they understand who they are mm. yeah I mean I mentioned someone like a Joan Sutherland I mean she was very humble and she worked hard you probably don't know who I'm talking about her I do I know yeah. she's one of Australia's finest you know opera singers ever mm. or one of the world's great sopranos mm-hmm. and Joan was just a very mm-hmm. simple open honest lady who had a fantastic voice and her husband Richard Bonning was a great conductor and helped hone her career and she never thought herself above the art form. Mm. It was actually you serve the art form, you serve the composer, you serve the audience. And most of the great singers I've worked with have, have been like that, mm. I've found. Um, <laughs> Go on, yeah. Does that tell make me, sense? Yeah. Tell me what, again, I wouldn't know who these people are actually, mm. but tell me what Bach singers, like those classical legendary singers, meant to music. Did or you composer, say Bach, composer, the composer? Yeah, composer. So someone like Johann Sebastian Bach. Well, Bach to me is the greatest composer that ever lived. Mm. Look, to say the greatest, like there is no such thing as the great or the best to a degree. But just Bach, di- different or unique. Well, he just, ways. let me try and explain it. Um, I don't know if you've listened to Bach's music at all. I, I tried it. I well, think I did, did once and I was like, okay. I mean, just don't. wanted to see what it is. Well, it is. Because I'm someone... I think it's the greatest or the most, the greatest expression of the human spirit musically that we've ever had. His music is like it's music from another sphere. Mm. It's like it's a language from why, another universe. Why another and world. how? That's what I don't understand hmm. because I That's listen what to I it. Know. No, I I listen to it, and I don't understand it. Hmm. I'm just moved, and I I get a very deep, very deep kind of not confused but elevated feeling. Whereas when I listen to Beethoven, another great composer, I feel the dirt. I feel the earth. He was like a visceral composer, hmm. and Mozart is just like. Our child genius who has this joie de vivre about him. Mm. Another genius. But Bach, I mean, it's complex and it's beautiful. It's harmonically rich. The, 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 the detail, the, and he's a devotional man as well and you can feel the devotion in his music. I mean, some of his greatest music is devotional music, the masses, mass and B minor, the St. Matthew Passion. So they're all, he was a great servant of God. So he would he would churn out cantatas, which is like a 20 or 30-minute work every week for church to be sung by choirs and soloists and orchestras. I mean, it's just weird. It's bizarre. It's extraordinary. So think- that's what he's that's why he's so great. I think it's a combination of his devotion to, you know, his religious fervor mm. and his faith and his brilliance and 
as I say again, there was a confluence of events within Europe within a two or three hundred year period where music just accelerated, you know, from the Renaissance mm. and the onwards. There, there's something about that music that sort of comforts me. Mm. I can't listen to sort of the stuff you listen to. Which is well, that's offensive. It's just sort of because the music's What's so the loud and about, abrasive. It's just sort of something about any sort of classical piece that sort of can put my mind at ease and truly relax. It's just but a it's, good, good sympathy, a sympathy, sympathy, and just there's something sort of transformative about it that sort of can take me to a com- a comforting place rather than the loud. In your face, in your face, music. I just can't get to that level. Where try you, meditating you, yeah. on heavy metal. <laughs> Have you tried it? I tried it once. It's it's what actually, happened. It's it's uh, it's chaotic. But um, that's it. The someone, chaotic is the stuff. I love that. Yeah. You have to you have to thrive in chaos as well. Then yeah. you have to you have to dance between chaos to rhythm. You have to dance between the bridge of chaos and order. Too much order is also bad. Too much chaos is also bad. You have to dance between the bridge of chaos and order. I like that. Yeah. Well, well, dead. Well done. <laughs> nothing wrong with a bit of heavy metal. Nothing wrong with. There's a place. No, it's just something I can't get. There's all. There's yeah. a place for all yeah, of that. Yeah. And you know, I mean, a great kind of. Guitar solo, heavy metal solo is just as kind of, you know, the dexterity required and the thought behind it. It was like a Paganini playing a wacky violin mm. solo. There's a guy on Brook Street. He Burke. Bring, Burke, Burke Street. Burke Street. Yeah. Street. He, no, I like Burke Street. <laughs> he would bring out his, whip out his guitar and he would play heavy metal uh-huh. on the street. Uh-huh. And something happens, and I've seen that. It, well, if it's loud and obnoxious, why do people stand? And this, he brings in a lot of crowd. And I stood there and just, he, I was across the street, and I was just sitting there, just observing it. Like, what is it doing? And what is it about the music that spoke so highly to those people? And just wanted to see. So appreciate, I appreciate um, something that catches attention, and I appreciate something that's prolific and profound. So yep. anything doesn't matter mm-hmm. what kind of music it is, or be it art. Or be it someone's perspective, anything that appreciate and puts me and gives me a difference. No, I I agree mm. entirely. I agree entirely. Yeah. So I mean, if, if I wanted to start with something classical, what would you recommend? Oh, our audience and us. Ah, okay. Wow. Um, so mm. much. <laughs> yeah, no, there's a wide canon. I mean, there really is. I mean, it's a what? Uh, I mean. Why wouldn't you just go to Beethoven's Fifth Symphony? Beethoven's Exactly. Yeah. But listen to it fully. Yeah. Okay. Like actually commit, commit, commit to it. Commit to listening. Mm. Like commit to the mm. to the process of listening mm-hmm. to it fully, mm. and see what happens. I mean, it's the power and the energy and the the um, the drama. And mm. and and the the glory, mm. the glory. It's all in there. I mean, it's it's such a it's a, it's a young man's music as well. I mean, it's a Beethoven was at his absolute peak, peak of his power. So something like even the fifth, if you don't know, yeah, that's mm. a good one. Um, a Mozart symphony or a you know little night music. I mean. Oh, this, look, there, there, there is just too much. Uh, bah, 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 bah. What else would be good? I would honestly, nothing That's wrong true. with Beethoven's Stravinsky, maybe. 
Tchaikovsky symphony, beautiful yes. melodies. Mm. You know, even some ballet music. Dan, send me some uh, I will. tracks, please. I will. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna commit Aria's, to it now. This is what, what it can be. <laughs> and obviously, if you if you listen to you know Pavarotti sing a couple of arias, hear the the beauty and the sound and the delivery and the freedom and the the expression of the human voice. And I mean, that's and oftentimes that's what instruments are trying to mm. emulate. They're trying to emulate the human voice. So the human voice is probably one of the greatest forms of expression and the the great classical singers were yeah the, in terms of craftsmanship mm. and artistry let me throw a cur- curveball to this discussion since the ai is coming in yep now we can create music which never existed for example, if, if we're hearing Tupac songs or we're, we're hearing all these artists' songs that are that they're not singing, it's actually made by artificial intelligence. Mm. What, are, what are your thoughts on that? What do you, what do you think of that? Um, can it ever replace, well, not replace, but can it ever be at a level? It's purely synthetic, of course. I get it. I understand it. But I'm just saying if that's an artificial intelligence what would be what would it be able to do or what would it be capable of doing well i guess you've got to put it you've you've got to put the input then to begin with don't you mm. you have to tell what to do to a degree mm. so you have to create certain parameters for it to play. T- to yeah. play or yeah. to spit out music ideas i don't know i honestly don't know mm. do i care um yeah. I mean, if, well, if, if people want to do it and it, it works for people, so be it. Mm. I, I, when synthesizers came in, people mm. probably thought that that was a fad. going to be the end or mm. the fad or when television came in or you know, it's going to kill theatre, it's going to kill when movies came in, they thought that was going to kill everything as well. Yes. I think it's just going to be another form. I don't think it's going to mm. replace... True. And if it does, it might, you know, open another window and um, but we'll see what happens. I mean, the thing is you can't stop progress. No, you can't. Yeah. And you can't stand still. I mean, people, I love when people say, oh, it wasn't like it was when I was young. It was like, well, you know, within the, <laughs> within the, the kind of timeline of life, or the universe, yeah. it's an absolute blip when it was all great. It might be a five-year period when it was great for, for us or something. Mm-hmm. It's like it wasn't like it was or like all this modern stuff doesn't work. Well, you can't stop it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I think the moment you think you're above that, well, forget it. Does what that? I, I, I think it, that... It makes sense. It does make sense. I mean, if, artif- if people want to make artificially intelligent music, that's fine. So be it. So be it. Okay. But, I mean, you've been able to do that to a degree anyway. I mean, you can mm. you can put something into a – and I've been able to do that because I work in computers with music. You can invert melodies. You can get it to randomly spit out notes. You've been able to do that for 20 or 30 years. So this is just the next level of mm. that. But this is to a degree that it could potentially replicate, um, let's say, box music to a degree that it would You be don't very- know who it is. Yes. Mm. Oh, well, if that's what it is, fine. Mm. And if you, if it's great, it's great. If it, and if it actually moves people and, 
But the thing I guess you've got to remember is that man made that machine to begin with. Yes. Mm. So it's still, albeit it is artificially intelligized, mm. <laughs> that's probably not an adjective that I should have used, but that it's actually come from a human invention, well, it's still, it's still got validity in that respect, I guess. And I, I, haven't we got this G pat? No, what's it called? The G? Oh, chat GBT. Chat GBT, yeah. where mm. I think people have already started to write their own essay or get it to write essays and mm-hmm. theories and treatises and songs, yep. lyrics. Mm. Oh, well, you know, can't stop progress. You can't. You can't keep oh, up Whether with I like it or not, I don't know. Is it going to be as funny? I don't know whether that's going to be as funny. It's going to be huge. As a writer, seeing Chat chat GPT. Have you used it? uh, I don't want to use it because I can tell there's sort of a soul and a human element missing. Can you? To artificially artificially intelligent texts. I can totally tell if something. There's sort of something something missing with with a, a human element that's missing, which you can totally tell. And I, I as a writer, as a river writer's sort of mindset. I couldn't agree more, but then you said two things. You said, I didn't play with it, and you said it didn't have a soul. So trust me, play more with it, and you'll realize mm-hmm. it's getting very closer. And to what they have opened to to population is <clears> that they've. it's a very dumbed-down version of what, it's out there. So I'm, I'm, uh, I'm, are you saying that there actually is more to it? It's that they're so not being shown. Much more to it. But I'm, I just love a uh, different perspective on AIs. And if, if people are playing it, uh, have you ever tried? Have you played around with no. it? No. Trust mm. me, try it. Uh, I always recommend if you want to try, ch- try ChatGPT, try, think of it like you're a thinking buddy. Uh huh. Whatever it is, if you want to help with your uh, diet plan, just like make me it. We'll just play around with it after this, right? And I'll just show you what it can. Yeah, but I'm not. I'm not a it. I mean, I'm not. <laughs> uh, yeah, and I probably couldn't tell. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I, I look that like as I, the older I get, the more you realize that you can't change things anyway. Mm. Mm. There's no point in whinging about it. I mean, mm. if the AI is there, it's there. Mm. It's you know you, you can look at. Westworld or one of those, you know, there's all these <laughs> yeah. futuristic mm, Terminator, ter- ter- <laughs> yeah, <laughs> where we project how things can or can be or, or can yeah, be, you yeah, know. Yeah, absolutely. Is it, is it going to get to the point where AI rules man? I don't know. Let's hope not. Mm, oh man, that would be that'll be devastating. That'd be devastating, wouldn't it? It would be. And there's but no kill switch to it, just so you know. There's a kill switch. There's no kill switch. Oh, there is no kill switch. No, there's not. Because, um, have you heard about the black box phenomenon? Um, so engineers at Google asked AI a question in a different dialect and it answered answered them a question in the same dialect. They said, we never trained AI to do it. And everyone's scared of that particular thing because it, it it's a self-learning organism, basically. But is it an organism? Well, how, how do we how do we define organism then? That's true. That's that's very <laughs> because that's, is, is organism meant to have? Um, it's a, it's it's artificial intelligence. It's capable of thinking itself, basically. Right now, what we have is a trained model, trained language model. That's dumbed down version of it. But I'm pretty sure there are parts of in the world people have access to that kind of technology when the, what they're playing with. It's if it comes out and people are like, oh, well, that, that could be scary. That a hundred percent. Wonder what the comedy is going to be like. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Uh, we could actually write a set on something and it'll just spit out blah, 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 
Yeah. Just give us something. But this has been uh, a deep conversation. Has been, it? Uh, it absolutely yeah. has been. And may I say that mm. I, w- I had a different um, sort of, you know, how when you're about to meet someone, you have mm. a different people. You don't live up to that. And oh, I've, have I've I enjoyed, lived down? Oh, my God. And that's a compliment. <laughs> oh, is it? I've okay. enjoyed every minute of this, and I can't appreciate it more being here. I oh. love this chat. And again. But say that something about opera that's, that's deep and... and well, I think Absolutely. we covered. Yeah. I think we covered more than opera. Yeah, something about art and something about. So yeah, exactly. Well, it's about art. It's, yeah, it's, it's about art. it's about art. Yeah, you're right. It is. What, it's about art. Can I ask quickly what mm. other things you're into? What What are your other passions or what are your other oh, outlets? Comedy, art, mm. um, sport. Mm. I mean, I'm a, I'm a big sport sport fan. fan? Yes. Mm. So football in particular, and but tennis, surfing, uh, just life, just people. I think I I love people. Yes. Mm. Mm. I think. And I think we are, as an animal, we're, we're kind of, we're a community that, that, that's part of... We need social interaction. We need social interaction. Yeah. I, think oh, that's, I think that's one of the reasons that we survived or became a species mm. is because of our social need and the fact that we want to help each other and, and well, generally... Grow or prosper together. Mm. Yeah. Mm. So I, I, I thrive on that mm. in humanity. What's, yeah. what's next for you? Uh so next, well, I'm going to Europe in a couple of weeks and then... Flying off again. Flying off again. <laughs> and then Marina, in Australia, Marina, Marina Pryor and myself are doing a 60-day um, tour around Australia. Mm-hmm. So that's the next... I wish all the luck. That's, do you know who Marina is? Yeah, yeah. of course I do. Yeah. So, uh, and Marina and I, yeah. she, Marina was also in that first production mm-hmm. of The Virus. Oh, really? I didn't so know, I didn't know that. I did, didn't know that. That was that... that that first production of Paris was quite kind of um, it was quite seminal and it was like a little breeding ground mm. of, of musical theatre and opera people. I do miss John English. I got to tell you that as a so John was my first mentor in a way because he was a, he was the leading mm. well Simon was the leading man but also John was so John was the elder mm. and I learnt more from him about how to be a leading man than. I thought I ever would mm. treat everyone with respect. Doesn't matter whether you're sweeping the floor or whether you're a producer, whether you're a pirate or you're the main character. Everyone was treated the same. Hundred percent commitment every night to the performer on stage, to the audience, and just a great bloke. Mm. He was mm. just a great bloke. Mm. So yeah, John is much missed. Mm. And fuck. And there you go. Open-hearted, vulnerable. Mm. We loved him yeah, for right. all his flaws. And he was imperfect. Mm. So John didn't have a perfect voice. Mm. He wasn't a perfect comedian. Mm. He wasn't a perfect actor. Mm. But he was John. Yeah. And that's why people loved that's him. That's why we loved him. Yeah. And, and I, I loved him. That's what you want to leave behind as an individual. Yeah. Mm. The impact you leave on people around you. Yeah. I think so. It doesn't matter what you achieve. I mean, mm. You know, achievement's movement. Mm. It's no like be good to people. Stuff. No. Yeah. Mm. I think it's more important. Yeah. Anyhow. That's a good place to Lovely. end it. Thank, thank you for having me. Thank you so Thanks much for being here. Thank you. Thank you so much for My being here. My pleasure.